2: If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together, or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula.
0: Listening to Nuanez Now on ESPN Radio here in the great city of Missoula, Montana. We are also on the television around the great state of Montana, thanks to SWX. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, we podcast every single hour. All you got to do is go to your podcast hosting platforms and just type in Nuanez Now. You'll find it there, please. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. The podcast is presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications, as well as The Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. You got any plans this weekend? Well, if you don't, Lost Trail has something for the whole family. I bet you they got great snow right now, too. If you want to find out about the conditions, as well as directions, trail maps, lodging info, season pass info, all of that good stuff, go to LostTrail.com. They're also having their early season season pass sale right now as well. Lost Trail, they offer the best value around terrain for every ability level, family-friendly, and affordable They uh, also have off-site ticket locations available where you can just order online at LostTrail.com or at their ticket window as well. Right now, they're open from Thursday to Sunday, 9.30 a.m. till 4 p.m. Looking for something to do this weekend. Lost Trail, go for the snow. We go now to Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in a great friend of this show. And the good buddy of ours, he hasn't been back in the saddle in a little while because we've been waiting for football to return. But football is now back in the FCS. Sam Herter joins us on the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. And he covers all of the FCS for Hero Sports. Sam, it's been a little while. How you doing, my man?
1: Yeah, things are going pretty good. Uh, we finally made it to the, the spring season after... Uh, and up and down, summer into the fall, and then we hit January, and you know there's some some major opt outs, obviously, and you know a little uncertainty about whether the spring season is going to happen. But here we are, and had a full week last week, and another full week this weekend, and uh, things are off and rolling. So it's pretty exciting to be covering uh, the FCS right now.
0: I know in my role at Skyline Sports covering the Big Sky, there was so much of uh, uncertainty because there were so many different states that were represented and so many different situations that everybody was in. And there was a lot of apprehension coming into the spring season. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Which schools can feasibly make it happen? And then when the Montana schools dropped out, it sort of uh, lulled a lot of that anxiety because I think there's some schools in the Big Sky that uh, can more realistically – Go forward with this just because, you know, either they're in California or they have indoor practice facilities or whatever. But it seems as if the main league is the premier league in the FCS, and that's the Missouri Valley Football Conference, in terms of the steadfast desire to play. So uh, just from a national perspective and then kind of the two power conferences out west, what did you think about the way each one went about it? And why do you think it is that the Missouri Valley is just charging forward and there's so many teams from that league that are participating?
1: Yeah, I mean the the valley was very motivated to play even back in in, in the fall. I know their commissioner Patty Vivarito uh, was very adamant in the summer, you know, saying she believed that the playing in the fall could happen and they could make it work. And then obviously, you know, dominoes just started to fall pretty quickly. And I think the Big Sky was the first big conference to go out, and then the CA opted out of the fall, and then the Valley you know followed suit from there. But you know, going into the spring season, you know, every team was on board. Indiana State kind of came out of nowhere and uh, decided to opt out of the spring season. Uh, Indiana State was the only program to do so. I I, I know that ruffled uh, feathers within the Missouri Valley Football Conference just because they, they didn't, Completely revamp their schedule, but they had to switch some teams out uh, here or there. And uh, but you know, overall, not, not a huge deal with Indiana State opting out, just because they are you know kind of a, a bottom tier team in that conference. And then you know, with the Big Sky, honestly, the Big Sky was was one of the conferences I was more nervous about uh, as far as you know a conference as a whole opting out. Well, I mean, when you have three of the top five teams uh you know, not per, not participating in Sac State and Montana and Montana State. Uh, then you had, you know, a couple schools in in California where you're wondering if they would be able to make it to work, you know, be able to make it work. You have Eastern Washington in that part of the country wondering if, if they'd be able to make a spring season work. And so I was I was a little nervous about the Big Sky maybe going, you know what, it's, teams are just way too spread out and, and it's going to be hard to make the spring season work, so let's just opt out as a whole. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's a good thing that, that the the Big Sky decided to, to go on with the spring season and they have some games coming up uh, this weekend. So I, I know it's, it's a, you know, competing for that Big Sky title, probably a big asterisk next to it just because of those teams that did opt out. But, you know, there still are a good chunk of teams uh, playing in the Big Sky this spring.
0: Sam Herter joining us from Hero Sports, breaking down the FCS as a whole as football got underway in the FCS last weekend. And, Sam, talk about that element of it. You mentioned Indiana State, the one school that to topped out of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. So it seems as if the champion of this spring season will be a, a valid and... Uh, um, it will be a legitimate championship. But then when you get to the playoffs, you will be missing some key subjects. So where are we at with just with what teams are currently chasing? I mean, if and when NDSU wins another national title, is this does that come with an asterisk too or, or not? I, I don't really know how to put this into perspective.
1: Yeah, I, I think it does a little bit, but you know, I I don't know if it's a ginormous you know asterisk next, next to that, uh, next to the spring national champion. I think even if even if all 127 teams played, it, it, there still was going to be that. Oh, you know, that was that weird spring season with a with a 16 team bracket, and you know, not all the top teams got in, and it was a weird year. And so, I still think. You no know, matter you know how many teams are playing, how many teams are not playing, whoever wins it, there's always going to be kind of that mark next to the 2021 Spring National Championship. But that doesn't mean whoever wins it isn't deserving. Uh, I mean, obviously, if, if NDSU was the favorite again, if they beat you know, Weaver State or James Madison or South Dakota State and, and, and Frisco, I don't think anyone is going to say that you know that team didn't deserve it. Or even if South Dakota State beats James Madison and Frisco, I don't think anyone's going to say that team didn't deserve it. Now, you know, the the bracket is slimmed down. You know, there's only six at-large bids to go around. Uh, Those three main Big Sky teams, uh, you know, opted out. Uh, Towson out of the CAA opted out. They potentially could have been a factor in the playoffs. And so I think we all realize that the playoff bracket will be weaker, you know, in years past. But you still have, you know, some of those, you know, top four to five teams in the FCS still vying for that national championship. And usually every year it usually it does come down to two, maybe three, four teams every year to win the national title.
0: What was your perspective on the opening weekend? We had uh, some teams open last weekend, including several Missouri Valley teams. I know North Dakota had a nice win. Uh, South Dakota State had a, a really good win. Um, North Dakota State maybe didn't dominate like people expected them to, but they still they still were in control of the game for pretty much the duration. What were some of your main impressions just from around the country and around your neck of the woods of the Missouri Valley this last weekend?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it felt you know a little more normal than I expected watching FCS games. You know, obviously, you know, living in Minneapolis, you, you wake up and it, it's it's cold out and it's February and you're not really expecting to be watching FCS games. But once you kind of got you know you know into the into the routine or into the into watching a bunch of streams at, at the same time, it kind of felt like a normal weekend of watching FCS football. And you know, there was you know you could tell that for some, in some games and some teams, this is their first game action in quite some time, but you usually get those game one, uh, you know, rust, uh, you know, you usually get that in a normal fall season anyways. But, you know, overall, I thought it was a pretty clean and crisp looking uh, first weekend in the FCS. South Dakota State had that huge win against Northern Iowa. I thought that was a well-played game. Both teams look really sharp. Uh, you know, that was a huge win for South Dakota State because if you lose that first game, you know, now Northern Iowa pretty much has to run the table because if if the Panthers take a second loss – if you're six and two in the valley this year, I, I don't know if that gets you into that slimmed down playoff bracket now. And and so that was that was a huge game. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned UND; they made a huge splash in their first season in the valley. You know, I thought Wofford looked really good. Uh, James Madison's run game looked really really good. Granted, that was against Moorhead State, so so that was to be expected. But but they've shown that they've shown that they have talents uh, every year. And then yeah, North Dakota State's uh, new quarterback Zeb Nolan. Uh, you know, was was a bit underwhelming. I don't know how much stock I want to put in that uh, just yet just because that was uh, Zeb's first starting action in, in, a, in a number of years. And so, uh, you know, we need to see more from him and from North Dakota State. And, you know, I, I saw some people saying NDSU doesn't look like the number one team in the FCS. But, I mean, it's it's NDSU. And if they have to grind out wins this year, then, then that's what they'll do.
0: NDSU, I thought, was smart by playing the one game – in the fall, which then pretty much allowed them to have a essentially pretty normal beginning to the season, you know, conduct a fall camp practice through September and then have that October 1st game and then kind of shut it down as opposed to just calling off the whole thing or as opposed like Central Arkansas to playing pretty much a full schedule. Do you feel like watching issue did you see any any inclination that that was a, an advantage or that that was a, a step up from the rest of the, the field?
1: Yeah, I think I think that was an advantage uh, for NDSU uh, to play that one game in the fall, and probably more importantly was. the the number of of hours they got per week pretty much doubled just because they had to uh, prepare for that one game against Central Arkansas. Arkansas. So I think that was, uh, overall, a a pretty big advantage for NDSU. Now, their game against Youngstown State still wasn't the most uh, crisp-looking, especially offensively, but I thought defensively they had some some new names in there as far as starters, uh, and they were playing fast. It didn't look like... You know, that was their first start of their career. And I think a part of the reason why they looked, you know, so solid for, for you know, first-year starters was a lot of these guys did start in that game against Central Arkansas. So maybe they didn't have that that first game jitter. So, yeah, I do think playing that game in the fall for NDSU was a big advantage for them.
0: Sam Herder joining us. He works at Hero Sports. This is one of the head writers there at Hero. They cover the FCS as a whole. Do a great job across the board. And Sam, let's pivot and talk about the Big Sky now because I think it's uh it's going to be a fascinating league this year, particularly because the defending state uh, defending conference champion, Sacramento State, is not participating. Neither is Montana, neither is Montana State. And I thought Portland State had a chance to actually be a dark horse in this spring season because they have a four-year starter, Davis Alexander, at quarterback. They're not participating either. Uh, And the Northern Colorado, they also shut it down. So we have to wait to see the debut of Ed McCaffrey and his team as well until the fall. But a whole bunch of other schools, including ones that have some pretty good national reputations like Weber State and Eastern Washington, are moving forward. Uh, So we'll get into some of the details, but just broadly, uh, what is your general thoughts just on the big sky and where they might uh, play into this national playoff picture?
1: It, it really would have been fascinating if every team from the Big Sky played this spring just because, you know, there, there, there are six uh, large bids to go around. And, you know, I, I think a conference like the Valley potentially could get two of those. But, I mean, if the Big Sky, if you had, you know, Weber State in Montana, Montana State, Eastern Washington, Sacramento State's, you know, there could have been five teams fighting for three, you know, total bids into the playoffs, and that would have been really entertaining. But but instead, you know, three of those top five teams are no, are no longer playing in the spring, uh, obviously. And so, the top two for me, you know, definitely have to start with Weaver State. Uh, you know, they have they have all the pieces in place except for quarterback, and and it'll be interesting to see who they go with. You know, whether it's the Middle Tennessee State uh, transfer. Or if they go with True Freshman, who, I mean, he is a 21-year-old True Freshman, so he's not a young man in Bronson Barron, but uh, we'll see if if they go with him. But other than that, I mean, Weber State has everything else in place. You know, Eastern Washington, for a while leading up to this weekend, I I, I predicted that Weber State would go undefeated, and I predicted Eastern Washington would go undefeated. I I actually think Idaho is going to take down Eastern Washington, uh, uh, in this weekend's matchup. It, the Eagles have had an interesting few weeks. You know, uh, they've had a few assistant coaches uh, resign uh, to look for other opportunities. Uh, Eastern Washington, Eastern Washington's depth chart that they came out with, you know, they had some key guys missing uh, on there. Uh, it, now, does that mean they're not going to play? Not necessarily, but it was interesting that You know, a guy like Andrew Boston wasn't listed, you know, on there too deep. And then, of course, uh, you know, Aaron Best tested positive for COVID. Uh, Thankfully, uh, the last, you know, we checked in, he was asymptomatic. uh, And so that's good. But he'll obviously miss uh, the Idaho game. And so there's just a a lot of things kind of going against Eastern Washington right now. And we know the Vandals got the best of them back in 2019. So, I, I like what Eastern Washington has coming back. I do think they have the top quarterback in the FCS. I, I, my, my gut feeling is just that Idaho is going is to kind of put a wrinkle and plans here and take down Eastern Washington.
0: It seems as if there's so many teams, too, that have so much to gain by playing this spring season, just in terms of the solidification of a lot of different factors within their program. Uh, a school like Idaho, since returning to the Big Sky, they've been mediocre at best and, and honestly not not in the, the middle or top tier of the league. I mean, they've they've sort of been in the bottom half of the Big Sky since coming back, but now they have a chance with a fresh start, a new quarterback, um, and I think um, an opportunity to maybe prove that they belong at this level. But that seems to be like there's multiple factors like that. I think it's a big-time prove-it season, both this spring and next fall for Eastern Washington, particularly for Coach Best. Uh, I think that there's a lot of different schools that are participating that have a lot to prove can idaho state get back on track after they were pretty good two years ago and then they just completely fell apart down the stretch this last year you know southern utah how hungry are they to compete in the big sky since they already know they're kind of on the way out the door uh, northern arizona in year two under chris ball they just weren't very competitive defensively last year and that's kind of his identity so can they get that part shored up to you though sam what are your some of your favorite and most intriguing sort of storylines within the big sky
1: uh, the, the top one, you know, is definitely Weaver State. And if they can make that, uh, you know, that, that jump from quarterfinal team to semifinal team to potentially, you know, competing for a national title. So, you know, nationally, it definitely is Weaver State. Uh, within the big sky, uh, you know, definitely Cal Poly uh, to see how they do in their first year under, under Bo Baldwin, uh, you know, to see exactly – I mean, we know what the offense is going to look like, but, you know, how good is that offense going to be, you know, basically doing a, a 180 there from the triple option to a more uh, spread, spread attack. Uh, overall, too, with the big shot, you know, really interested to see how these coaches kind of attack the season. You know, if you're if you're in northern Arizona, you know, I know they had, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the coaching philosophies changed there, and that, that, you know, resulted in a lot of transfers going out of northern Arizona. And maybe NAU isn't ready to compete for a playoff spot this spring. And let's say, you know, Northern Arizona falls to one and three, you know, but they're competing well, but they're over, overall they're one and three, and it's pretty obvious they're not going to make the playoffs. You know, what do they do then? Do they still roll out the, you know, three senior offensive linemen, or do they start, you know, playing some true freshmen because it's a year of eligibility? Do they start playing their, their number twos, you know, on defense just to build depth and, and basically say, hey, you know what? it's not looking like we're playing uh, in, in the playoffs this spring. Let's start building depth toward the fall season and, and, you know, try to make a run at things there. So that's really what I'm interested in seeing in the big sky and really all over the FCS is, is once teams, you know, it, it, it seems pretty apparent they're not going to make the playoffs. What do they do then? Do they start using it as a developmental year or do, or do they start rolling out their number ones in games? So that'll be interesting to see once we hit, uh, you know, April into the later part of the season.
0: Listening to Nuanez now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Sam Herder joining us from Hero Sports. And Sam, that's a, such an interesting point. I actually made that exact point on the show. Uh, I guess it would have been Wednesday when Sean Rainey was on with me. Because I do think that because there's 16 teams and not 24 teams because there's an extra auto bid, so there's one less uh, at-large bid. I do think that the Big Sky would is going to have a, a hell of a time getting more than one team into the playoff bracket. So then, what's the magic number for losses? Then when you transition toward using it towards a developmental season, uh, in, in, going into the fall, I, I think that the one loss, okay, maybe you're still com- trying to compete and see if you can, you know, just have a bunch of upsets go your way, maybe sneak in the back door, but I think once you get to two, and certainly once you get to three losses, then that's sort of uh, where, where you're going to have to pivot. Or maybe not have to, but a lot of, I think a lot of schools will. So, I mean, it, do you agree? Is, is that kind of the magic number, two or three losses? I think two is the magic number for the Big
1: Sky. I, I don't see a two-loss team from the Big Sky uh, getting that in at large bid. Uh, you know, even, a, like I mentioned earlier, even a six-and-two Valley team uh, might have a hard time uh, getting into the playoffs, I, I think if if you have one loss in the CAA uh, or, or the Valley, you have a good shot to make the playoffs. If you have one loss in the Big Sky, uh, I still think you have a decent shot, but you still are kind of sitting on that bubble uh, because I believe the Big Sky is playing six conference games. So if you know if Eastern Washington finishes five and one, and that one loss is to Idaho, you know how how does that resume stack up against? You know, a, a six a, a six and two Northern Iowa team versus a five and one Eastern Washington team. You know, neither team played non conference, so like, <laughs> how exactly do you stack up those playoff resumes? So, I think one loss in the Big Sky, you, you're nervous, but you're still sitting decent on the playoff bubble. But yeah, once you hit two losses, I, I really have a hard time seeing a two loss Big Sky team making it into the playoffs this year.
0: One more question about the big sky. I think that one of the most intriguing storylines coming into both spring and then fall, because I know when these other teams are kind of back in the fold, there'll be an intriguing storyline that sort of resonates across the league, and that is one... Of quarterbacks. I know in the media we give quarterbacks a ton of play. It is the most important position on the football field at pretty much every level of football. But in the big sky, we have a fascinating dynamic because you have Eric Berrier at Eastern Washington as a returning starter, multi year starter. Davis Alexander at Portland State is a returning starter, multi year starter. But every other school in the league could have a new starting quarterback. Like Cam Humphrey has started games at Montana, but. He could be the starter, or Chris Brown could be a starter, or a couple of the transfers that Montana brought in could be the starter. Montana State, Tucker started 15-plus games there for the Bobcats. But... Matt McKay, NC State transfer. Uh, a lot of good reviews so far, even though he has never played in a game for the Bobcats. Weber State has a brand-new quarterback because Jay Constantine entered the transfer portal. Sac State's in the market for a new quarterback because Kevin Thompson also entered the transfer portal. Case Cookus is finally done at Northern Arizona, and it's just on down the line. Idaho State's going to have a new quarterback. Matt Struck left that program. Mesa Petrino graduated at Idaho, so there's going to be a new quarterback for the Vandals. And so there's just on down the line so many different – and you know Bo Baldwin at at Cal Poly has a a quarterback up his sleeve. Jake Bayer has graduated at UC Davis finally. So there's just a variety of uh, new faces that will be in the mix at the quarterback position. What do you think of that storyline within the Big Sky Conference, Sam?
1: We'll see some guys – Uh, you know, step up. I I feel like UC Davis, I can't remember the name, but I feel like they really like the guy that that they have stepping in into the shoes to to replace Jake Mayer. And so there's going to be a lot of new names. Um, I still think the the Big Sky is going to have a great quarterback play. It's just for a little bit, we we just aren't sure exactly who those names are going to be. And it's kind of the the same in the Valley too. I mean, I I think there's only – I want to say two starting quarterbacks coming back in the Valley, and then everyone else is is starting uh, new quarterbacks as well. So it's a big, sky te- uh, a big sky thing and also a Valley thing, which is interesting because I think these are two of the top conferences in the FCS, but all of a sudden you start looking at the quarterback situation and you go, hmm, you know, this this could get interesting. And if some of these teams that are usually at the top of the conference. If they can't find their guy at quarterback, then maybe we might see some other teams uh, slide up in, in, into the top tier.
0: It is interesting too because Kevin Thompson's departure at Sac State that was that was sort of um, abrupt and predictable at the same time. Once Sac opted out first, both of the fall and spring seasons, and you know the guy's already been in college for a hundred years, so he started shopping himself <laughs> around. I know at North Dakota State too. I mean Trey Lance is one of the most prodigious talents that we've seen, so his his opportunity to come out so early is not really one that is is. Uh, standard or typical in fact it's completely unique at the FCS level but is there any other trend you can point to as to why these two power conferences do have so many uh new openings at the quarterback spot I uh, I
1: I think you know a part of it you know is because uh these teams found their guy for uh you know it seems like a lot of the, these teams have you know two or three year starters whether it's you know going to the valley whether whether it was a guy like Easton Stick or a guy like Karen Christian, you know Case Cookis going to the big sky. Case Cookis was around uh, for for a while. Uh, Jake Mayer was there for a few for a few years at UC Davis. So I, I think it was just one of those things where you know these programs had a freshman or a sophomore step up as their starting quarterback, and, and they felt great about their quarterback situation for two or three years, and then all of a sudden all these guys graduated or. Or, or moved on or transferred uh, all you know all in the same year. So now it's just one of those one of those weird years where you look at the valley in the big sky like we said, and you know, you can count on you can count on one hand how many returning starting quarterbacks are, are coming back.
0: Sam Herder joining us from Hero Sports, and Sam will get you out of here on this. Give us a bold prediction or two for what you expect this spring season to be like. I mean, are we going to see the status quo? Are we going to see the Bison holding the trophy at the end of this thing, or or what? What are some of the uh, the things that maybe could be atypical about the football action these next several weeks in the FCS?
1: Uh, you know, it's 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 hard to predict against NDSU uh, right now. I still see them making it to Frisco. Uh, you know now whether a team like Weaver State can knock them off, I, I think that depends on uh, you know de- depends on on the quarterback spot for the wildcats, but I guess my my one bold prediction or i don't, I don't know if it's overly bold, but I do think Kennesaw State has, has a pretty decent chance to make it to the semifinals uh, you know that'll be a, a new name uh, usually we see a team from yeah, the Valley, the Big Sky, and the CAA make up the Final Four, uh, but I do think Kennesaw State, uh, from the Big South, has a pretty good shot to make it to the semifinals because they, they really should roll through their regular season undefeated. That should get them a seed, um, and I think that could you know propel them to making it to the semifinals. So it's not an overly bold prediction to have Kennesaw State in the semifinals. They they have been you know making strides every year, but you know when you look at all the past semifinals, it usually is the same suspect. So we I mean, we might get some new blood. in
0: there this year he's sam hero you can find all his great work hero sports sam tell people what you got cooking and just how to follow you how to find all your awesome writing and and coverage and your awesome social media and all that stuff too
1: yeah, uh, my Twitter handle is Sam Herder FCS, and our website is Heroesports. Uh, you know, we'll we'll be covering uh, the FCS all season all, all season long, uh, doing fun stuff like releasing our top twenty five predictions or our top twenty five ballots, our, our playoff predictions. You know, trying to figure out what the playoff bracket is going to look like, sprinkling some some player features and all that as well. So, I uh, would love to to interact with everyone on Twitter as well at Sam Herder FCS.
0: Sam, appreciate it, man. It's nice catching up with you and uh, be well. Stay warm out there and we'll uh, we'll cut. we'll talk to you soon. All right, that sounds great with me, and thank you for having me on. I was loving Sam Herter stops by the show. Appreciate him for taking time like he always does. You're listening to Nuwana is now, one oh two nine ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide SWX Montana television. Check it doesn't know sports. Next.
2: to
3: more.
0: Well, I had a revelation this morning, and I decided I was going to show all you fine listeners... Behind the curtain at Tutel and Nuanez. It's Nuanez now, currently, but Ryan Tutel, when we used to do this together, he had a trademark for this segment he always led with, this is Friday, or it's Friday. You know it's the time for the chick who doesn't know sports. Well... I realized this morning that the reason that Ryan was uh, so incessant on saying that it was Friday is that we actually never recorded these things on Friday. It was always on Wednesdays and Thursdays. But now, we actually record them on Fridays, so we don't even have to tell you what day of the week it is. And you already know, it is a Friday, and it's time for The Chick Who Doesn't Know Sports, presented by the Iron Grizz American Bistro. Carolyn, this is our first time on the Rangich Brothers RV phone line together. How are you?
3: I'm i've been better but i'm good it's uh you know i'm calling in today because i it's my vacation day i'm going skiing with my brother but i couldn't let the people down
0: dedication it's uh it's lacking in this world for sure but we appreciate your dedication uh well we will get right to it because i know you do have to go hit the slopes what's going on in the world of sports that you know nothing about
3: well, I mean, I think everybody's talking about Tiger, so I feel like we should touch on that because we've, we've talked about him a few times on the show. For sure. Yeah, and so obviously we know he got in the car accident. Um, people are up in arms that he wasn't drug tested or didn't get blood drawn at the scene. Um, and I did some research on that, and the reason why is because they had no reason to drug test him. It's a really bad corner. I guess there's lots of accidents there. Um, and so it sounds to me like, you know, the P- the LA police were just, you know, deeming it an accident. However, I have some inside scoop. Oh boy. Apparently earlier that morning, which is crazy cause it was like 7am when he got in the accident, he was backing, he was actually that, that morning he was late to whatever he was driving to. So he was pulling out, um, a TV show was filming at the resort where he's staying in Palos Verdes. um, And he was driving like a nightmare, like trying to get out of the parking spot, almost hit a director of the TV show that was filming, like freaking out on people, and then driving like a madman down that road, which is, like I said, known for having accidents, and you really have to take it easy on that road. So I don't know. Maybe he... Slept in. Maybe he had an all-night bender. I'm not here to judge or say. I'm just saying these are, this is the information that I have heard.
0: Well, it's, it is. Uh, there is a lot of, of baggage here because Tiger Woods did have such a fall from grace that included a severe drug addiction, it included being admitted to rehab, and conducting and completing rehab. And uh, so there was always going to be that speculation for sure. Uh, our buddy Riley Corcoran, who guest hosts Nuana, is now with me on Mondays and Tuesdays. He's a huge L.A. Dodgers fan, and he said he's driven that road many times because Riley basically spends all of his vacation time down in L.A. watching Dodger games. So uh, he said it's uh, definitely a devilish road for sure. you got to take it easy. So I do think that's probably the number one factor here. It is interesting that Tiger was actually on his way to go play golf with Drew Brees and Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, the quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers. So... uh I don't know. Again, we are all just speculating at this point. I don't know if we'll ever know all the real answers here, but I think Tiger was just late. I I honestly do. I think he was just running late, and he was just going too fast.
3: And LA traffic is a bear, so, you know, he probably was running late, but he didn't need to be mean to the guy in the parking lot, but anyway. um, Yeah, so hopefully he's going to be okay. I I haven't heard any updates on his leg and, uh, you know, how that feels, like what the prognosis is, but I think it's probably too early at this point. Anyway, so, speedy recovery, Tiger. We're here for you.
0: Super weird. I started reading the Armikete and Jeff uh, Benedict book that the documentary uh, was stemmed from. The the recent HBO documentary was basically based upon this biography that Armikete and Jeff Bechtel both wrote. And uh, the most fascinating detail I'd gotten to just in the first 50 pages or so was that from a very early age? Tiger's parents started making anybody that became close to him sign non-disclosure agreement-style contracts <sighs> that they would never talk about Tiger Woods's life. Period. Right, so I thought that would really? itself was fascinating.
3: Huh? Interesting. They they were they were preparing for his future at a very young age. That is for sure. And it's no wonder he kind of fell from grace. I don't know how you could live with that kind of pressure at such a young age.
0: He did it better than anybody. That's why he's so revered for sure, but also, you're right. That's why it was such a profound fall from grace. Okay, well, we hope Tiger Woods heals up. I think he will. It sounds promising. It doesn't. I don't know what this means for his golf career. Probably nothing good, but uh, at the very least, right. he's going to be able to continue to be a dad, and I think that's probably the most yeah, important and thing. Unless a chick who doesn't know sports, it's presented by the Iron Grizz American Bistro. The Iron Grizz is located at the University of Montana Golf Course. It's a great restaurant. Go give it a try today. Carolyn, what else you got?
3: All right. Well, if you were in college, you were outside playing disc golf with your buddies. Did you know you could make $10 million doing that?
0: $10 million, no.
3: Paul Macbeth, a very well-known in the disc golf community, <laughs> Um, player just signed a 10 million dollar deal and he's the highest paid disc golfer <laughs> ever obviously so yeah um maybe this is a new the new future i don't know um i don't know any other information it just blew my mind but maybe hacky sack is next or cornhole
0: <laughs> you need to trade your kids skis in you're doing the wrong thing if you want them to go pro uh-huh. exactly why my hacky sack right
3: Exactly. All those stoners outside of the quad, or what do you guys call it at UM? The, the Oval? The Oval. Kicking up those, <laughs> kicking up those uh, hacky sacks, and yeah, you never know. But yeah, this guy's going to make $10 million. He's also married, shocking, that's shocking enough, but he's also married to a, another professional disc golfer. So, had no idea you could go pro.
0: I had no idea either. Our, uh, our buddy Kyle Hansen from NTN Sports is going to love this if he is by chance listening because uh, he is an avid disc golf player. And uh, I'm sure that he's going to be putting this on Twitter uh, if he are, hasn't already. Uh, that is amazing. I don't know how that's justifiable. I don't know how you get revenue from disc golf. Is it a fan sport? Like, can people go watch it? How, how is someone getting paid this much money? Because it, it, it makes sense that if you play in front of eighty thousand people, like in the NFL, that you get paid a bunch of money. But how does how does this thing generate money? I just don't get it.
3: I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe sponsorships. Maybe it's. I have no idea. I just saw the headline and I didn't read any further because I just saw the ten million dollars. You know.
0: Such standard operation from the modern age. Just remember, kids, there's always a story That's after right. the headline.
3: I know. I listen. I I'm slacking this week, so let's move on. All right, Russell Westbrook. You know
0: who Kay. that is? I, 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 I certainly know who Russell Westbrook is. Yes. <laughs> I don't. Who is he? I mean, oh no my goodness, player, Carolyn. But... <laughs> Russell Westbrook is one of the most famous NBA players on the planet. He played for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He was the first player since Oscar Robertson to average a triple double. Uh, He's the MVP of the NBA like four or five years ago. Uh, he played with Kevin Durant and James Harden in OKC. They went to the finals, and then Westbrook went with Harden to the Rockets last year. And now Westbrook's kind of back on his feet uh, with the Washington Wizards. And uh, he's not having – it looks like he's lost a step to me, but um, Russell Westbrook is definitely one of the most famous and popular players in the NBA.
3: Well, he sounds like a good guy because he partnered with the L.A. Promise Fund to start um, a school for kids grade 6 through 12 called the Why Not Academy. And um, I don't. I thought the name was a joke at first, but I guess it's just Why Not. And they, it's sort of like um, – um, oh my God, why am I blanking on LeBron school In is he, this is in Cleveland, right? That's right. Yeah. So it's similar to that to give kids, un, you know, underprivileged kids a chance at great education and all of that. So he, I don't know when it opened, but he just announced that he was partnering with for this school. So I think that's awesome.
0: Very awesome. If you ask yourself, why L.A.? It's more than just because it's the largest city on the west coast of the United States. Russell Westbrook is also from Los Angeles. I guess he's from Long Beach, but uh, he plays college hoops at UCLA, so uh, he has deep ties to the city of Angels. Uh, That's very cool. I think that uh, Russell Westbrook, if you've ever watched him play, has a very demonstrative way of operating. He is a very aggressive and sometimes very salty player, and uh, he talks a lot of smack. He runs his mouth. Pretty hard, uh, but I do think that that's just a persona that he uses on the basketball court because it seems as if everything he does off the basketball court uh, is, is very oriented to giving back to his community. So, very cool for Russell Westbrook.
3: Yeah, I think this is so cool. I love when these guys give back when they can, and and they, um, I mean, they when they go big like this, it's just amazing. So, um, I think it'll help a lot of kids, and that's that's just that was like my upbeat last news story of the day one thing i also wanted to bring up was last week we were supposed to pick our bad news bears versus the good new good guys all right and i completely forgot <laughs> so we still need to do that
0: still scheming or do you have do you know who's gonna be like your number one pick
3: come on no i don't i have to get help
0: Well, I mean, you could start with like, you got to start with like a quarterback. There's a lot of good guy quarterbacks. That's where you're going to have an advantage.
3: Drew Brees.
0: Sure, except for he's all, he's all, uh, he's hurt right now. I guess we'll have to redefine if we're getting the best version of these guys or the current version of these guys because that'll definitely impact the way I draft too.
3: Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's tweak this idea because I still think it would be funny, but I just, uh, this week got away from me.
0: It happens to the best of us. Carolyn, do you have anything else to yeah. share with your fine fandom? I don't.
3: Nope, that's it. This weekend at Discovery is the cookie race. So if you feel like racing, ski racing for fun and helping out the Discovery ski team with, with the $10 entry, um, but you need to get there very early because people, everybody wants to ski right now. Uh, I can't blame them. It's awesome. but um, But that's it. That's all I got.
0: I have a question, then, before we get you out of here. You're listening to The Chick Who Doesn't Know Sports with our good friend Carolyn on Nuanez Now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well as on SWX Montana Television. Uh, I need to ask you this. This has nothing to do with sports. Give me the quick and dirty. What the hell is going on with Britney Spears?
3: Oh, Britney. Okay. I don't know about sports, but I do know about pop culture. <laughs> I know you so. do. <laughs> Britney, I don't know if you remember. Well, first of all, have you seen the documentary, *Framing Britney Spears?
0: I have not. I have heard implications. It's basically um, the story of a super dad and the construction of a teenage sex symbol. Did I get that right?
3: No. Um, (laughs) It's the story of a young girl who goes and makes it big and and gets exploited like crazy, and then basically loses her mind for lack of, you know, a better term and almost loses her kids. And the only way she can get her kids back is if her dad takes over her everything. Her It's a conservatorship. And most people who get conservatorships, if they're not elderly, it's because they're like, you know, in a coma or whatever, like unable to do anything. And so he got conservatorship and he has had it since 2007 or 2008. And, she has gone on tour. She has had two residencies in Vegas and he still has this conservatorship and she just wants to be free of it. And I think the worst part of it, cause we don't know the behind the scenes with her mental health and you know, what is going on there. But like looking back in the early two thousands on how we all treated young, young celebrities, like I'm at fault too. Cause I, you know, I love pop culture. And so I mean these men would ask Britney Spears if she'd had a boob job and she was like 16. And people would ask them her and Justin if they'd had sex yet and they were teenagers. Like it was just gross. And then when she had her huge meltdown, like she was the butt of all these jokes, you know, by grown men and she's just this young mom like clearly in a really bad state and I mean we all fed into it. It was that was the most I think disgusting part of the whole documentary. I highly recommend it.
0: It is fascinating the way that we only learn from our exploitative ways uh, after the fact, after we have massive meltdowns uh in within the public eye like this one and uh that yeah. was certainly a, a a unique moment in time because the the MTV age as it were was still sort of around, alive and, and around, you know, there, I mean, TRL was still a big thing. Uh, people still watched music videos. There was still a huge, um,
3: <laughs> hunger for music, music videos. videos right. And, yeah.
0: And, uh, but also then we had become a little bit more for lack of a better word, liberal and open when it comes to sexuality and, uh, sex symbols i think our our sex symbols have always existed in pop culture but they got a lot more sexy in the late 90s and then when you think young. back on it though I mean, the fact that these young. were yo- such young girls right that's the thing that's so disturbing right. is that these were teenagers
3: yeah if you watch it you'll you'll it's just sad and it's like gross to think that i was buying i mean i still love the magazines but i was like buying all the into it and like fought. I remember when the whole meltdown happened and my friend and I were like oh my god you know like reading the news every day about it and it's, it's it was it's gross and it's it makes you I don't know even when she first came out and she was on all those talk shows and the way grown men and grown people would talk to her and it was just it's just not it's not okay like no wonder she lost her marbles and the poor girl and now she's basically a prisoner in her own home and I hope uh She can, I don't know, I hope she can get out of this and get back to get some sort of normalcy in her life.
0: The question is, when will we learn from this, though? Because, I mean, as a a society, as a celebrity-worshipping society, we have basically now killed Michael Jackson, Prince Whitney Houston, and have now Britney Spears basically imprisoned within her own mind and her own enterprise.
3: Michael Jackson, you can take off that list because I have feelings about that.
0: Well, of course, that was the most <laughs> horrific documentary I've ever watched. But, um,
3: <laughs> but still, I, I, it, like it, he... I guess the
0: moral of the story, though, here, from Tiger Woods to Michael Jackson and everything in between, becoming globally and undeniably worldwide famous is just not good for your human psyche.
3: Thank God I haven't, that hasn't happened for me. And, you know, that's, I'm going to continue to just be a background actress on Yellowstone and not try and get like a lead role because <laughs> I can't live like that. You know, you can't,
0: but if you keep bringing the heat over here, you're going to be famous, at least in Missoula and around the state of Montana. Carolyn, it's been wonderful. I hope you have a wonderful time skiing. It's been the Chick Who Doesn't Know Sports presented by the Iron Grizz American Bistro. Iron Grizz American Bistro prioritizes sustainable food. They got delicious drinks to go with all of your awesome cuisine. Go check out their wine menu and their beer menu. Have a glass of wine out on the back porch as you look out over the University of Montana golf course there in Grizz American Bistro. Go give it a try today. Carolyn, I hope you enjoy yourself. Be safe on the ski hill, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week.
3: Thank you. Have a good weekend. Hi, this is Kim
2: from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, The Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
0: Okay,
1: men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you are here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
0: With the retirement of Premier Paint, Garden City Paint and Glass is excited to announce that they have bought their inventory and retained their staff. But now, they're overstocked and they need to move some product. Save 30 to 40% on all paint and stain. Garden City Paint and Glass's trained staff can help you with your painting and staining needs, getting you the right colors, bright brushes, and even color matching and making custom tints. Visit GardenCityPaintAndGlass.com for more information or give them a call at 549-0608. Garden City Paint and Glass. local. Get commencement ready at the Montana State.